Hello and welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, a show that's about teaching men to take accountability for yourself and making your relationships and and marriages better. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? About, you know what your problem is? You're too docile. You're not aggressive enough. You need to be more no, aggressive. No, no, no. We're going to aggressive oh, going is the exactly direction. the problem. You see, you see, Dan, the aggression, the drive that you have put, and that made you such a successful business person, mm-hmm. that made you so successful in your business and career. That's the same thing that's putting strain on your marriage. Okay, and that's why you need to learn how to downshift, and and become a more emotionally supportive and emotionally intelligent partner. But right now, that drive that's in you, that's making your career so strong, that's hurting your relationship, it's time to stop pointing fingers at your wife and start taking accountability for yourself and as a man. This is all taken from a YouTube video. What the a, fuck a YouTube, is happening? A YouTube ad that I saw. This is all, I, I don't know what it was I clicked, my man, but I clicked on a YouTube ad, or I, I watched a, a video. And a YouTube ad played before where a man with multiple neck tattoos yelled at me about why my marriage was a failure. And it was because of all of the things that made my business and my career so successful. And I sat there staring at the man with the neck tattoo thinking, no, if anything, it's exactly the opposite. But do you ever? this was like a three minute ad. I don't even remember what I was going to watch. It's just this man just comes out and yells at me for having the uh, for all of the failures of my my marriage. And I was like, I guess I got to listen to what this guy is doing. And here's the thing, like, I'm not even angry about it. It was just so aggro. You know, those like those like low T that you've got low T and it's time to fix, fix your love life. It was like that, but it was just for like being nice to your wife. Well, that's the only way you can like sell things on the internet now is like, Hey bitch, you're not drinking enough water. You got to up your water intake significantly. You coward, you coward. This is why you're weak. Like it's. Like, the only yeah, way I you mean, can I convince can't... people to do things now is be like, your ancestors wanted you to refinance your mortgage. Cavemen wanted <laughs> you to do that. Your ancestors are screaming right now. Refinance. Like, it's the only thing that works. I mean, it, it really is that stuff, right? Uh, we... That, that that caveman, that primal mentality that just scream at us. We're actually constantly getting emails that I am constantly ignoring, asking us to to be sponsored by like Mind Master, like Zootropics. We get ads from, or we get emails from a, a Mind Master, like a Zootropics company, saying they want to sponsor our podcast. And Jesus Christ, if they ever listen to us once, like you know that we are not the people to talk about that. But it is, it's the same if, idea. If they want one us- thing you and I are. It's masters of our minds. Just oh, yeah. ironclad control over the chemicals running through our brains. These two guys right here clearly have executive function. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. Just complete I mean, awareness honestly, of you, everything happening around us at all times. You would have a better time if I if you just asked me to say that Breaking Mayberry was sponsored by drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Breaking Mayberry sponsored by 
Drugs! Sponsored by... Some of them are really good. Smoked too much some of them are freshman not. year, did some stuff to your chemistry, never totally recovered. Brought to you by Breaking Mayberry. <laughs> but man, I just, I couldn't get over... I don't even remember what video I wanted to watch in the first place. I think I wanted, I wanted to watch an interview with Gardner Minshew. And... <laughs> And it just popped out. And oh, I guess okay. I guess I'm on board with this. I guess I'm on board with like a guy who is just yelling at you to be nicer to your wife and to be chill. Well, but Gar- it was Gardner Minshew is so the, aggro. Gardner Minshew is the patron saint of aggro wife guys. Like that is kind <laughs> of his deal. I don't know if he's even fucking married, but one day he, he will be, and he's going to get an altercation in a Trader Joe's parking lot over how much he loves his wife. I think I think I would prefer it if the ad was just uh, 13 minutes of Gardner Minshew mustache and all just saying, hey, my wife rules. Yeah. Just like just like, just like preparing a, a slideshow of Mrs. Minshew. <laughs> just, just Gardner Minshew hosting a podcast called Wife Chat where just him and a guest sit down and talk about how rad their wives are. Not even about how much they love them, but just be like, so what makes your wife cool? And it's like, oh, man. She does homemade pottery. That's sick as hell, bro. That's sick as hell. All right, but, all right, my man. You know what I'm about to do to you right now? It's now wife chat. Breaking Mayberry is wife chat. Because this motherfucker's wifed up. Yeah, I am. Wife city. That's right, man. And you know what? Let's give you a moment. Hey, Dan, what makes your wife cool? Uh, She would fight a person to the death for me if necessary. And not even if necessary. If somebody was just, like, mean to me in, for example, a Trader Joe's parking lot, she'd curb stomp them. (laughs) I now have somebody that will literally fight and die on my behalf, which is great because I would not do either of those things. Yeah. I mean, die. You would die. I would die. You would die on your own behalf. Yeah. And and you are going to eventually, as we all are. Everyone dies on their own behalf. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) That's the only way to really do it. Everybody dies frustrated and sad, and that is beautiful. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Marty Schneider. She's going to listen to this and be like, you don't want to talk about any of my hobbies? You You don't want to talk about that I'm a really good artist? You want to talk about how I'm a Viking warrior? And and she'll be like, thank you. Yeah. That's great. Like, she'll be super into that. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Marty Schneider. I'm the other host. I'm Dan Ludwig. Uh, and I mentioned that and made fun of you in my best man speech. You did. Uh, what a simpering coward I am. It was great. It, it was awesome. Uh, we are not a show about wife stuff, although we could be. We're two wife guys at this point. Um, we are a show about the Andy Griffith show. Uh, a man who never married. Well, Andy Griffith himself married three times, including uh, one time a woman who was like half his age. Of course they uh, did. Like you, um, you, this is why you never look at Wikipedia pages. Uh, but <laughs> this is a show about baby boomer television, specifically the Andy Griffith show. And we have two episodes of the Andy Griffith show for you today. And they are both duds. Yeah. just Holy crap. Boring as hell. What? One cool thing that I kind of I learned from one of them, and uh, the other one boring as shit. Yeah, let's start with uh, season five, episode nineteen airs January twenty fifth, nineteen sixty five. The Lucky Letter, mm-hmm. written by Richard M. Powell, Dick Powell, Dick Powell, and then directed by Theodore J. Flicker. 
No, that's not. That a is name. an NFL player that's ass not a name. Man's name. That is the name of a running back who will last two no, seasons. The, no, 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 no. That's a Wes Anderson ass name. Theodore J. Flicker is like a minor character in a Wes Anderson movie played by like Jeffrey Wright. Yeah, he's like a Potter. Mm-hmm. Theodore Flicker was a solitary man, comforted only by his ceramics. And then it's just him holding up a, like, a, I made this duck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it, no, I take that back. He's, I like, I, I made this duck. His name is Theodore J. Flicker, so it would be like, it, it would be about, like, a sad bird watcher or some <laughs> shit. Like, like Theodore J. Flicker always found himself more at home amongst the, the aviaries species than he did among humans. And then he would just like he would just like point up. It's a blue billed grosbeak. Just just pops up out of some grass, wearing like a bird watcher outfit, points directly in the sky, and just goes blue jay. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> while whimsical music plays in the background. Theodore J. Flicker, fuck you. Yeah, no, all right, Theodore J. Point. Flicker. Uh, Half the jokes on our show are just making fun of people's names. Here's your one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. Barney thinks he's received bad luck after tearing up a chain letter. Yep. Okay, so the episode starts off... I mean, I'm gonna gonna bring up just off the bat the most interesting thing about this episode, which is I didn't think chain letters dated back this far, right? Like, I thought chain letters were an invention of, like, the 80s at the earliest? Oh, no, I I knew that chain letters were this old simply because I had seen them referenced in, like, old Archie comics. Okay. But that was my only frame of reference. It's just weird that we've been doing something that dumb for that long. I just assumed that it was the result of, like, either 80s cocaine use or 90s boredom. Yeah, I mean, really... it feels like it should have been born when email was born, but no, we've been doing this forever. Yeah. Well, the ones that I always, like, did you, were chain letters around when you, when you were a kid? I think they've effectively died off, but did you ever, like, get any as a kid? I mean, I got emails. Yeah. But. Right? You definitely got chain emails. And, and to this day, I do think that the chain letter idea exists, but it's not asking you to forward anything on. It's asking you to, like, repost this to your followers and see who loves you or whatever. Oh, like that. You, you know the ones that I encountered the most? Do you remember chain YouTube comments? Oh, yeah. Those were a thing which it was like, comment this on four other YouTube videos. But they were they were always like, I am a I, I am a Nigerian shaman. Who has posted this here for good luck? Like it was all they like always had like a weird like like mysticism element to it. It wasn't just like this where it's just like, hey, this is good luck. Post it, send it to somebody. Yeah, I mean it's it's been like that forever. And yeah, I think I think now the idea is just like the the things that you share or on your Facebook wall. If we were a good podcast, we would have Googled history of chain letters before we actually got on here. Uh, Slate Magazine has, says that actually um, the earliest known chain letters date back to 1888 from a Methodist Academy for Women Missionaries. Basically used it as a Ponzi scheme. Like they were trying to have everyone receiving the letter send them a dime and then send three copies of the letter asking three friends to see the same thing. See, that makes so sense. So that was... That was 
That was the history of it. Right, right, right. Like, give me money is at least a point. <laughs> it's it's kind of, it's one of the dumber things that humanity has done just because it is so without any sort of benefit for anybody. It accomplishes everything, nothing. Yeah, everything else turns out, I think that that's an urban, it's got to be an urban legend that just appeared in this. So anyway, chain letter happens. Uh, but before the chain letter, we get one of the Andy, what the Andy Griffith show thinks is one of the funniest things in the world. A man wearing a slightly too large hat. It is the lamest prank I have ever seen. It is. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a typical refrain where Andy walks in, Barney is slacking off and sleeping. Andy, while he goes in, goes in to fuck with him. And he's done stuff before where he's like short sheeted him, which is yeah, yeah, yeah. It's some fun. Um, this time he takes his hat and then gets another nearby hat and then he gives him that hat. And then when Barney wakes up, he puts on the hat. And I was expecting it to be a much too big hat. Like, all the way over his nose. No. Like, no. Barely too big. Just a slightly too big hat. Like, you would not even notice if you saw a guy wearing this hat. You would not stop and be like, that hat's too big for that guy. You you would not even flag it. It's so dumb. And like the Andy Griffith show loves this. There's nothing funnier to that writer's room than a man wearing a hat that is slightly too large. Give him a sombrero. What are we doing here? <laughs> Give him just put a giant novelty hat on him. Give, make just it put him in a big a, old Pharrell hat. Make it at least like the wrong kind of hat. He has a baseball cap on. He's confused about it. Barney Five here for Arby's. We oh, have the meats. Also, I thought they were going to carry the joke way longer. I thought No, they bail on this joke in about 10 seconds. They could have made like, I have no idea why it's there. I have no idea why it's in the episode. They they bail on it like immediately. Don Knotts walks out and he's like he's like trying to rub his hat and trying to like pick it up. And then he goes, "Ha ha, very funny." And then he goes gets gets another hat. And that is the first 90 seconds of of air. We had all the time in the world. If I'm given two potential notes on how to fix the joke, I'm saying either one, bigger hat, which is the note I have on most jokes. Um and yeah. uh, every every joke should be delivered with a man wearing a bigger hat. Yeah, like right? the bigger the hat. Right. Yeah, like it just the bigger and, the hat, the funnier the joke. That that, that joke on your stand up special didn't really land. Have you thought about putting on a bigger hat while you do it? The aristocrats, but he's wearing a really big hat. Boom! Perfect. <laughs> the other option is he has the big hat on for too long, and you do that for the whole episode. Just the whole episode, <laughs> he's slightly bothered by having a hat on that's not quite the right size, and he is always like fucking with it a little bit. And then at the very end, he goes, ha ha, very funny. But you got to either do it bigger or longer. That's what she said. Yeah, you know, I give you a layup like that. Come on. (laughs) Like, so, yeah, so shitty joke that frustrated me. And then they just bail on it. We've spent way more time talking about the joke than the joke actually exists. Yeah. Andy and Barney go through the mail. Is there anything else interesting in the mail scene? Nah. Just the the mail is how they come up with. There's yeah. There's a joke so lame. I'm not even going to mention it. They. That's how Barney comes upon the chain letter that he is sitting on. And 
reads it a, out. The cha- a chain letter, if you haven't figured it out by now, is a letter uh, that asks you to forward the same letter on to other people. Oh my god, we uh, potentially it, have listeners who are too young to know what a chain letter is. Yeah, or Jesus you know, not all Christ. not all of our not all of our listeners are US based. If you're not in the US and you're listening to the show, I don't get it, but all right. So a, ch- a chain letter is is a letter or an email that says you have to for- it, they have to have to forward it on to other people uh in order to get good luck and bad luck will happen if you do not forward it on. Now, I keep saying forward because that's how emails work and I just have to click a button. But what Barney would have to do is sit grab two pieces of paper, write out the exact same letter twice, word for word, and then mail it to to other people. Apparently anonymously, because he doesn't have a return to sender. Yeah. He doesn't have a return address. Which makes it so much dumber. Like, at least we just had the forward or photocopy option when you go back. But yeah, you had to, like, actually manually do it. So... Yeah, it's really dumb. It's a really dumb thing that people used to do for no reason. Like, not to come down real hard on chain letters. I know I'm not, like, blazing new ground by pointing out that they're fucking stupid. I'm I'm not entirely convinced that uh, they actually did do that. Maybe and that this wasn't just a gag that was made up for Archie Comics and and. I I haven't read the rest of this Slate article that we only barely researched. Barney begins to start typing out copies of the letter, and Andy makes fun of him for being superstitious. And, of course, Barney takes offense to this and says, I'm not superstitious. I'm just, you know, being very cautious. I'm erring on the side of caution. And Andy, proving once again that there is continuity in this show, says, okay, but a couple of weeks ago you had, like, a fortune teller cards and you had my son making wishes and barney points out those wishes came true so they acknowledge once again that we have proven unequivocally magic is real in the (laughs) magic is real in the andy griffith universe john constantine is somewhere in the andy griffith universe hunting demons magic is real i would also send that chain letter along right like Barney has ample evidence. Do you remember that guy season one that was an actual jinx and actually like had the ire of God and and bad stuff kept happening to him all the time? And Barney was 100% vindicated. Yeah. 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 No, like he, he 100% should be doing this. All right. The, the weird mountain folk who hang out with witches. Like they're 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 right about everything regarding magic and magic only. Yes, uh. absolutely. <laughs> Like, Breaking Mayberry does not endorse the views of crazed mountain people. <laughs> so Barney begins to type it out. Andy makes fun of him. Uh, and then Barney gets upset and he throws the letter away. Later on the same day, he's walking down the street and Floyd pulls him over to a bench and says, Hey, man. Hey, did you th- did you mail those letters? Did you send that Shane letter on? I don't know why that's my Floyd voice. Right. And uh, It's gotten away from you. Yeah, he becomes Paul Lind at some point. Uh, and Barney figures out, okay, yeah, of course it was you. Of course it was you that mailed it to me. No, I didn't send that on. And and Floyd says, really? Because I've had nothing but good luck this whole time. A man came in and gave me a whole dollar. Ooh, a dollar tip. I don't know a if you've ever seen The Marvelous Misadventures of Flapjack, but you're doing Dr. Barber. Like, that is... <laughs> What you backed into. I guess so, yeah. Um, 
Barney walks away. He's frustrated by this. Oh, there, there is one other plot point we mentioned. In the mail, they got a summons, basically, that Barney has to go and recertify his shooting certificate, his gun license, or else, like, whatever uh, system governs the police force needs to have Barney come in and just kind of recertify. Thus proving that apparently he has taken some sort of gun safety class yeah. or something. Like, there's apparently some kind of higher power that is... uh you know, authorizing him to use his firearm, and they are wildly inept. Um, <laughs> so that's the big that's the big kickoff. Now Barney's worried about his bad luck. A, n- a number of things happen to Barney uh, when he's talking to Opie, and Opie's asking him about uh, chain letter. He stops out, and then a man drives a, a truck over his foot. Yeah, which I would say is slightly more than bad luck. Like I, it's very strange that he just kind of responds. Ah, the the truck is on my foot. Oh no! Which, I mean, this was back in the sixties when, uh, according to all evidence, a truck weighed about a hundred pounds, maybe. Like cars were made out of Nerf. Yeah, you could throw a car. Like you could just like chuck a a Volkswagen over a over a hill like the Incredible Hulk. They were all made out of tin foil. Uh, a couple of things happen. He has a big fight with Thelma Lou. The the Thelma Lou fight scene is amazing uh, and frustrating. <laughs> it's, like, it's incredible. Uh, Andy basically says, hey, man, why don't you go and have sex with your girlfriend and you mm-hmm. won't be so mad? He says, why don't you go to Thelma Lou's, have a nice night. You won't be so nervous. You won't be so worried about your bad luck. Uh, just go over. Call just, Thelma Lou. Call just, her up. and." Just go get your dick wet, bud. You just, just gotta go. Get go your dick wet. Just go get some fucking in. So he calls Thumalu and he says, you know, and he asks Thumalu, "Hey, you're gonna have a. I got a surprise for you. I want to come over tonight." And Thumalu says, "It's not your normal date night." No, I know it's not our normal date night. That's why this is a surprise. What do you mean? You already still have plans to go glue? He says that she's going to the church to glue the covers onto hymnal books with. Edgar Mason or something. Ed, some some other guy's name. This another. Guy. I'm gonna say it's Edgar Mason. It definitely starts with with an E. Yeah. So she's gluing covers onto hymnals with Edgar Mason, which sounds like a euphemism, right? Mm. You know. So she's going to the church. Glue Barney his says, "All night long." Yeah. The some somebody's hymnals getting glued. <laughs> um. And Barney, of course, gets mad and says, "You know, what? What's it gonna be?" Me or Edgar Mason. And by the way, what's up with you and Edgar Mason anyway? What's happening? And by the way, all this, you, you don't hear Thelma Lou's side. You only see Barney, uh, Barney's side. He finally yells, oh, what do you mean I can't talk to you that way? I just did talk to you that way. Barney Fife. Barney Fife could stand to learn a few lessons from the neck tattoo guy. Yeah. About why his, why his determination and drive in his career are really holding him back in his relationship. Neck tattoo guy needs to get in on this. In fact, a lot of people need to get on this because after Thelma Lou hangs up, Andy says, you need to call her back and apologize. And instead, instead, Barney picks up the phone and says, Sarah? Get me Juanita Beasley. He says it like through gritted teeth. And then there's a pause and he says, I don't care if you don't think I should call Juanita Beasley. (laughs) (laughs) So everyone's in on it, right? Like Sarah, Sarah, the switchboard operator is just like, Barney, I don't think that's a good idea. 
Yeah, which... Sarah the switchboard operator, my favorite character. She is no line. She doesn't really exist, but I love her. Is everybody in this town aware that Barney is fucking Juanita Beasley except Thelma Lou? Is she like is she like in a horrible uh like Stepford Wives situation where she's like the only person that doesn't know that this is happening? It is I know we make King of the Hill references all the time, but it is very much the John Redcorn, Dale Gribble, uh what is Dale's life name? Nancy. Nancy, Nancy. Hicks Gribble. Yes. How how did I forget that? It's very much the John Redcorn, Nancy Hicks Gribble, Dale Gribble situation. It, in fact, in fact, it's kind of like that one episode where uh, Peggy Hill is the last person to figure it out. Which I don't know if the show is in on this joke of the the hypocrisy of going like, "Hey, I'm suspicious that you're fucking this guy. That he's getting his glue all over your hymnals." And then immediately going like, "Sarah, get me my side piece." Like, <laughs> I I I cannot tell if they are in on that joke of it being hypocritical. I think they are. I'm going to give them a little bit of credit on this one. I think they're in on the joke. Uh, but still, the, the joke is definitely like, it's okay for a man. Yeah. Like, and and uh, then he, he gets, he calls and he is answered by Frank, who I'm assuming is uh, the guy who works at the diner, like her boss at the diner. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be like Frank's diner or whatever. Yeah, and it's not like he got her husband, right? I assume, I assume, yeah. I think that's. I think that's it too, because because he he asks if he wants if Barney wants to leave a message. Yeah. Right. If it was her husband, he would not ask that. Yeah. So yeah, it, he got she. She just didn't pick up. So yeah, because she doesn't live at the diner. <laughs> I don't think he knows that. I don't think he is aware of where she actually lives. I don't think he knows anything about her as a person. It is so you you delivered all the events, but you kind of delivered it calmly and and sort of beat by beat. And the good thing about the it's it's the best part of the episode. It's really the only good part about the episode is that this all happens in like five seconds. It's just yeah, this, he picks up. This goes very rapid fire. Yeah. What are you doing tonight? Huh? You're hanging out with that guy? Well, what what's going on with you two? All right, fine. Fuck you. And hang up. Give me one Ada Beasley. Oh, hi, Frank. No, I don't want to leave a message. Bam. And then just Andy is just kind of sitting there in like the wreckage of it, just going like, well, that could have gone better. <laughs> it's like the first time when Andy's like, you brought this on yourself. Yeah. Right. And like, and Barney, of course, doesn't believe it. And he says, this is, I am going to be thrown away by the ash sheep of history. Here I go. I've ruined my job and my relationship. A man with a neck tattoo cannot help me now. No. And and he just goes off, uh, presumably to kill himself. Um, and then the next the next scene is uh, Opie and Andy just kind of hanging out on their porch. And Andy just nonchalantly goes, boy, I wonder where my incredibly depressed friend is. Yeah, my incredibly depressed armed friend. Yeah, my, my incredibly depressed friend who always has a gun with exactly one bullet in it. I wonder where he's gone. Last I saw, I heard that he was saying that there was no point to him being around. Uh, I don't think I'm going to worry too much. And Opie, Opie's like, I think you should worry a little bit. Andy tells Opie that he can't figure out where Barney is. Because when you're looking for someone, you should think about their position and try to think like them. But I can't think like Barney. 
I'm such a good cop. Yeah. I'm the best cop in the world. I <laughs> like 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 all cops, I lack the ability to put myself in anyone else's shoes. I, I lack basic human empathy. I'm the best cop. Well, I I can't really get into this person's head where they might be, and I only have 10 years of intimate life experience to go <laughs> off of. Thank God a serial killer never rolls into this town. More than 10. They've been friends since childhood. Yes. He should know, like, he, he should know, like, be able to predict his location at the drop of a hat. <laughs> I, like, Dan, if, 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 if you disappeared for a day or two, if I noticed. Yeah. Right, but I think I'd be able to come up with a few guesses as to where you would be. I, if you went missing, I would just immediately look up bird migration patterns. And, For sure, and sure. And just reference that with, like, I, I'd say, like, uh, ten miles of your house and just kind of go off of that. And then I'd just find you, like, standing in a field. Yeah, that's exactly what would happen. I would probably, I don't know, call your mom? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Which is a thing Barney or Andy doesn't do. Uh, anyway, he does... He has this. It's all leading for a joke because I can't think of like like Barney thinks. Then he realizes, "Hey, Opie, what would you do if you were Barney?" Because Barney has the mind of a child. Opie says, "I think I would probably go to the dump and I would look for that letter." <laughs> Which Andy should probably be like, "Like, all right, I'm gonna go deal with that, but just real quick, we should follow up on your instincts, child. Like, I yeah. probably should just make sure, like." Hey, no matter how things are going, don't ever go dig around in the trash to solve your problems. Like, okay, so I want to talk about the trash scene. I want oh, to talk yeah. about the trash scene. Because the trash scene, he goes to the dump and uh, Barney's kicking stuff around there. And Andy shows up in his, like, nice sweater vest. Man, you know you're about to go dig in the dump. Now is the time to wear your fucking police uniform coveralls. The only but no. time he wears his personal clothes. Yeah, he's wearing his Sunday best to go help his friend dig around in the dump. And also, I realized something. I was like, is all this garbage just loose out there? And instead of looking up history of chain letters, I looked up when were trash bags invented. (laughs) (laughs) So fucking stupid. Because it suddenly occurred to me, I was like, oh yeah, I guess there was a time when you didn't have plastic trash bags. Because you just dumped your loose trash. You just have loose trash somewhere, right? Yeah. Disgusting. We were such a disgusting time. Everything smelled like cigarettes and trash. It's just super gross, right? But yeah, we didn't have uh, uh, trash bags for a while. But we did, like, they were invented in the 1940s. But in rural areas, yeah, it was pretty much common for, like, everyone to put stuff in a giant pile just loose, and then eventually the city or whatever would just burn it, like, God. when it got too bad. So, Makes yeah, it sound you like just, somebody shows up with a flamethrower. You just had to, like, disinfect your trash bags all the time. Like, your metal cans would just be absolutely disgusting. Um, you know, in... in, in you know, city areas, it became really common real fast to use plastic bags in rural places. Yeah, I guess you would just have loose garbage around this, including all of your mail with your name and address on it, which is what happens here. They just start going through people's letters. They find a nudie mag that belongs to Barney, and then they talk about that nudie mag for 
so long. Beat by beat, because this is probably the best part of the episode, is they're digging around in the trash. Andy finds a nudie mag, goes, oh man, that girl should be ashamed of herself. What would her parents think? What kind of person would read these things? And then looks on the, I guess, return address on the nudie mag and goes... It's a subscription. Oh. Uh, yeah. It's... it's and Basically, they're re- it's a playboy. They kind of strongly imply it's a playboy. Because Andy immediately goes like, oh my god, Barney! And Barney goes, I read it for the articles. Right. Um, which I think was kind of the selling point of Playboy, which is like, you have plausible <laughs> deniability. <laughs> Playboy! We're gonna put some short stories in there so you can say you read them. Right, right. And and Playboy did it. Like, Playboy got, like, Neil Simon to do stuff. Playboy had, like, uh, Jack Kerouac writing things. Kurt just to give Vonnegut them, like, rolled in and just kind of rambled incoherently for four <laughs> pages. And then it was like, alright, now that we got that done, you wanna see some titties? <laughs> Get out of here, Vonnegut! <laughs> yeah, Hef was like, Ah, great job giving us some credibility. Now get the fuck out of my mansion. (laughs) Get out of here, Vonnegut, you piece of shit. And Vonnegut just yelled, toodaloo, and then rode away on like a giant bicycle. One of those ones with a big old front wheel. He drew a bunch of buttholes on his way out. (laughs) Just scribble, like, just a drawing. Like, this is a drawing of a bird. And then uh, uh, he was like, never again. He's never coming back to the grotto. He's never allowed in again. Which is why he went on a bird watching expedition with his dear friend Theodore J. Flicker. In this, <laughs> in this, in this uh, movie, the role of Kurt Vonnegut is played by Owen Wilson. Yes. Oh wow! Yeah, everything was beautiful. Nothing hurt. Oh. Nothing hurt. Wow. What if all the ladies in this nudie mag were robots? What if everybody you've ever met has been a robot? <laughs> Uh, honestly if i was gonna have a disassociative episode uh i feel like it would be pretty chill to have owen wilson there (laughs) owen wilson is hanging out with me yeah hey man you're you're slipping through time you've realized that time is an illusion and you're partly here but you're also partly on an alien plane it's it's okay just relax watch loki season two on (laughs) disney plus starring me Use the coupon code Break Mayberry for your Disney Plus subscription and get actually fifteen percent added. We really botched that deal. <laughs> so they go through it. They do not find the letter. Uh, Andy has a brilliant idea, though. The next day, he brings in Goober. Uh, Goober is there, and. He's there. Goober is there. In fact, Goober the, theme, appears. the theme for the theme for the next two episodes is Goober is here. And now um, Goober. Goober doesn't do anything except Andy says, "Hey, so I realized that if Floyd sent you a letter, he had to send another letter cuz you were supposed to send two. So, uh, I went and got Goober cuz that's the only other person that Floyd knows." And then Goober gives him the letter. And Barney says, thank you. And then Andy goes, well, be seeing you, Goober. And then Goober leaves. And Goober and it, says some jokes, and I literally cannot for the life of me remember what they are. It's like every time, he? every time he opens his mouth, it's just like white noise. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just like, yeah. well, Andy. <laughs> just ocean sounds. And then he's gone, and you don't even realize he was there. 
And Andy says, as you know, as Barney starts writing out the letter uh, with Goober's copy, he says, "Boy, it sure was nice of Goober to come by all this way and give you that letter." And Gomer and Barney says, "Gomer." And then Barney says, "What do you mean by that?" And then I said, "Yeah, what the hell does he mean by that?" I'm just saying it's a nice thing for Goober to come all this way, you know, just give you that letter. And Barney's it comes to the conclusion, you could have brought the letter yourself. You brought Goober on purpose. And then I said to the TV, Goober just does this stuff. Yeah. Like, what what point are you trying to make? This doesn't work for you to make a point when you're just talking about the guy who just wanders in any direction you point him. Which, like, it's not special that Goober came to hang out with Andy, because he just does that. Yeah, like, it, if Andy had gone, like, hey, Goober, can you give me the letter, and then I'll give it to Barney, Goober would be like, I've already moved into your house. Like, right. I live with you now. You're my dad. <laughs> like, this is forever. Like, Goober doesn't not go places. <laughs> they've, they've kind of made that his definitive trait, is if you tell him to not go somewhere, he goes there, and then does yeah. not leave. Again, and this is going to be come up in the next episode, Goober's only character trait is that he exists in the space around you. Yes. He is <laughs> breathing your air. He's basically a sentient plant. Yes. Like, uh, <laughs> that is his only trait. However, Barney realizes that, wait a minute, you brought Goober here on purpose. Because you wanted to show me that only people like Goober and Floyd believe in chain letters only those non-intellectual types like goober and floyd and i'm just sitting there going i was, I was thinking just say the r word man yeah just just call goober the r word you clearly want i don't want you to but you clearly want to do just do it tv they, show it's they, 1965 clearly who's like, gonna stop you they clearly wrote that down and then scribbled it out and wrote non-intellectual types we'll come up with a, with a synonym later non-intellectual types which by the way what the fuck andy i just brought you this man child idiot to show you what a man child idiot you'll look like if you do the same thing as him what the fuck man yeah this guy's supposedly your friend which yeah it's just him basically going like this is you this is what you look like right now which in any circumstance if Barney i'm surprised said, I'm surprised he waited till Goober was out of the room. Yeah, to be like, like, here's your peer, Barney, this dipshit. And then Goober would be like, hi. You're similar so to the worst person mean. we know. <laughs> so they have that incredibly uh, insulting interaction. Does Barney storm off after that? It's a little blurry up until the What ha- What happens at this point is that Barney gets mad at Andy and says, you know what? You were the one who told me to throw this thing away in the first place. Now you brought it back, but you made it all weird. You decide, Andy. You figure this out. You tell me what's going to happen. I'm leaving. You take these this, this letter. Mail it or don't. I don't care. I don't want to know. He storms out, and then he sticks his head back in. You going to mail those letters? I don't want to know. And then he leaves again. So, so next day is the is the the shooting trials uh and barney is shaking he's nervous he's really upset he of course he does the thing 
He shoots the gun in his holster right in front of Andy, grazes Andy's leg. Yeah. <laughs> Andy checks to make sure he has all of his toes. At um, which point, at which point, the certification board should have been, like, denied. Yeah, but, like, should have just, like, descended upon him like velociraptors and just been, like, no longer a cop! They're all there. I want you to understand, the board that is supposed to be certifying him to carry a firearm is right there. They are all 20 feet away. He nearly shot one of them, and they all just go about their business. They're just basically like, he's not at the firing line, I don't have any jurisdiction. Oh, if he had done that when he was standing in the shooting place, then, ooh, I'd have got him. But, you know, it's like international waters over there. I do not have jurisdiction. <laughs> our, our authority ends over there. Really? On that side of of the field. My my authority is over here on the shooting range, and the person who has authority over his gun handling over there uh, is tra- talking to him right now. Uh, maybe he'll reprimand him in some way. Nope, nope, he's coming over. Barney or Andy calls Thumbaloo to come and like cheer Barney up and cheer him on. Thumbaloo runs over and says, "Barney, I've never actually seen you shoot. You're it's so masculine. It's such a masculine thing to do." Which is weird, but she butters his ego up and fluffs his confidence a She's little bit. She's in a good mood because she fucked that guy's brains out. Oh, one hundred percent, right? Like, yeah, like they those hymnal plays. She was screaming hallelujah, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so now she's uh, happy. Church right? is not the only thing consecrated. I don't know what that meant, but it sounded right. Close enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And Barney does his weird, like, one-eyed, shaky pistol stance. It takes him forever. But he does shoot, like, four bullseyes. He hits the targets three times. And I was ready to to learn that Andy had, like, loaded the, the target with squibs or something. Like, he had, uh, like, cherry bombs placed in the in the, in the target haystack. I, I thought there was going to be a man who shot Liberty Valance thing where Andy was going to be beat, like, way off in the distance with a repeater with rifle. A, sni- a sniper rifle, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, just had a, he just had a former Marine just, like, out in a grassy knoll. It's Gomer! He just brought Gomer back on leave for a few days. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would have been so sick! <laughs> it was so dope. All right. All right, Gomer. When I give, when I shine with my pocket watch like this and make that light, you hit that target. Well, shazam, Andy! I sure can do that. When I close my eyes, all I see is the screams of the lives I've taken. I'm drenched in blood, Andy. I'm drenched in blood. It's good to see you, though. <laughs> I get of, of Gomer Pyle coming home, and it's just like a a berry situation. Like all he knows how to do is kill. <laughs> <laughs> Comer Pyle PTSD <laughs> But yeah, no, it's not that Bernie apparently hits those those uh, Targets of his own accord Except when he takes his Handkerchief out to wipe some of the sweat off He drops his lucky rabbit's foot He drops his Four-leaf clover, thus proving That he is in fact still very superstitious Even if yeah. the letter didn't do anything Bah, 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 bah. Uh, the final st- scene in the stinger is Barney getting run over, getting his foot run over a second time. And Andy just looks out and goes, well, that sucks. Yeah. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Not going to get any medical for help for my friend. Uh, uh, which, okay. I do want to just say up top, 
Bernie's reason for wanting to do the chain letter is, I don't believe in it, but I don't want to fuck with it. Which, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest, is my, like, stance on most, like, superstitious stuff of just, like, yes. yeah, like, yes. I don't believe in knock on wood, I'm gonna knock on wood, I'm not gonna, like, I'm not gonna fuck with it, like, Honestly, I probably would have sent the chain letter on the same logic of like, uh, no, I think this is stupid, but I'm not going to like, I'm 100 percent, 100 percent. Look, listen, I don't believe that Ouija boards will, you know, put me in contact with the spirit world. But just in case, I'm not touching the fucking board. Yeah, no, I'm not fucking with it. I'm not going to be like the, you know, the husband in a horror movie that's like, ah, you know, this is all just dumb superstition. Ah, demons eating my face. Like, yeah. I'm not going to do that. Here's the thing that I know about myself, which is that I'm wrong a lot. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of things that I am very, very sure about are, are, are turn out to be wrong, right? Yeah. I've seen so many movies where the guy who is very confident about superstition dies horribly. So just on the off chance, I don't want to be that guy. Um, I'm, I'm te- I guess what I just decided is I'm Team Barney in all of this. He was right. Let's do some fucking ratings. So, rating for this episode, Andy Meter. Um, it's not very funny. There are it's two not good. good scenes. There's the Barney yelling scene and the porno scene, and yeah, that is all together. I would say three minutes of this uh, twenty-two minute episode of television that is remotely funny, um, and. Two, it's two. It's dog. It's it's not dog shit, but it's boring as hell. Yeah, I, I I three. I'll give it a three. And Barney meter zero. It's fine. It's fine. Unless you have strong feelings about ghosts, one way or another, <laughs> then I guess it you might be offended by this in some way. Um, I mean it's it's such a a cookie cutter plot, right? Like it's such it's such a simple thing that I've seen probably a million times before. It's 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 fine. It is straight out of an Archie comic. Um, Jug Jughead could have done it better. Um, Goober meter. I don't think Andy's really sick. He's really like. I don't think uh, so. The Goober meter is us ranking how done with this Andy is. How close Andy to does, snapping Andy is. Andy does finally tell Barney like this is your own fault. But he's not, like, throwing a fit about it. Like, I'm going to put this a pretty low goober meter. I think it's, like, a four on the goober meter as well. I'd say it's, like, a, it's like a, a two. Like, it seems like he, he's kind of, like, snapping, but also he seems like he's kind of having fun. Like, he is enjoying Barney's suffering. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's that one. And let's do the much worse one. The one that God, is okay. nightmarish. Okay. Okay, so here is oh my god, uh, here is season five, episode twenty, Goober and the Art of Love airs February first, nineteen sixty five, just in time for Valentine's Day. Uh, written by Fred Freeman and Lawrence J. Cohen. I don't know if we've seen them before. Uh, we have. We saw them for Goodbye Sheriff Taylor. Uh, directed by Alan Rafkin. Here's your one sentence summary from Wikipedia. Andy and Barney get Goober to ask out wallflower Lydia Crosswaith 
so he doesn't have to talk, tag along on their dates. So okay. this, this is basically a like a leftover dinner version of a goober of a of a gomer episode. It is like it's it's like basically they were like, "Hey, do you want to watch a Gomer Pile episode of the Andy Griffith show?" And I was like, "I mean, not really." And they're like, "Cool, cool. I'll grab it for you." And then they took an old one and heated it up in the microwave. <laughs> and we're like, we're like, here, it's it's this is good. This is good for this you." Good. And I'm like, good. "I guess I'll eat this. It's all mushy and the microwave kind of ruined everything, but fine. Remember about half an hour ago, I said that there's nothing funnier to the Andy Griffith writing room than a guy wearing a, he- a slightly too large hat? Yeah. I lied. There is one thing that is slightly funnier to the Andy Griffith show writing room, and that is, what if there was a guy who sucked? What if there was a guy who was unpleasant to be around, <laughs> and everybody had to be around him? I and- I think I think I can sum up this. I can do this episode in in record time. Okay, all right. Goober shows up as Andy and Barney and Thelma Lou and Helen are about to go on a date, and he tags along on their date, and he's annoying. Then he starts dating Lydia Crosswaith, and he's annoying, and she's frustrating, and they annoy them together, and then they keep annoying them. And then Barney shows up later, and he annoys Andy and Helen. That is it. Nothing happens in this episode. This entire episode is sometimes your friend who sucks starts dating someone who also sucks. And there's no scheme. There's no plan to break them up. There's no way to ditch them. It's just four people being wildly uncomfortable but too polite to kick out the other two. That is it. It is so, so frustrating. We're not going to go scene by scene, but I want to break this episode up into, like, quadrants. Because okay. right, first quadrant is Andy and uh, Andy and Crump and Barney and Thelma Lou are trying to date and double date and shit. They're trying to go to movies. Uh, I do like that they're like that. all dressed up in suits and dresses to go to the movies. I thought that was cool. <sighs> I think time. we should bring that back. That would be cool. Oh, they did that for Minions. Do you remember when all those kids started wearing suits? Oh, yeah. Suits all, those, to go to all those bros were wearing suits for Minions. I, yeah, that I guess. Was. All right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm fine with that. That's wholesome. Yeah. So, um, so they are doing that, and Go- Goober keeps showing up and guilting the women into letting him tag along to their dates. And then, according to like their recap after, Barney, uh, Andy and Callan Crump went in a canoe later, and, and Gomer, like, te- jumped in their canoe, too, and Barney, like, went, tried to take Thelma Lou home to fuck, and because Goober tagged along, uh, he had to shake her hand at the door. So, one, I don't know how Goober is this omnipresent that he can simultaneously ruin two dates in very different locations, but it sounds like they went to the movies and then Andy went on a night canoe. But the thing I want to talk about is Goober has transcended into basically this show's version of a supervillain. Like there have been like criminals and bad people on this show before, and they have always been at most minor inconveniences. And Goober is this show's Moriarty just on the basis of he is an annoying guy that will not 
take polite social cues. Uh, and is not Gomer Pyle annoying, where it's like, ah, he's, he's a sweet kid, he's just dumb. And it's just like, it's a guy that just fucking sucks. There's a guy that sucks. It's just sucks shit. Really the, unpleasant the to meeting, be around. The pitch meeting for, for Goober Pyle was like... So the, the pitch meeting was Fritzel and Greenbaum sitting around together, and Fritzel turns to Greenbaum and says, Hey, Greenbaum, what if there was a guy who wasn't funny? Yeah. Or, and Greenbaum says, I, I, don't, I don't get it. Okay, but listen, there's a guy... And he's not funny. Greenbaum, is he is he trying to be like a comedian? But he's not good. No, he's just not funny and not fun to be around at all. And then Greenbaum goes, "Oh, I get it. There's a guy, and he's not funny. <laughs> yeah, the rules, man. What would like?" <laughs> Would, would like people make jokes at his expense about how not funny he is? No, they try. They'll try. He'll step on the jokes. He'll ruin them. He'll ruin any jokes you try to make in, in the room with him. He'll get it. You'll be halfway through a joke, and then he'll just dive bomb it. And, and then that joke's not funny. And he just ruins <laughs> anything that he touches. It's oh, like my... delightful. Would you like more cocaine, Fritzel? <laughs> oh, yes, Green Bomb. Oh. Pour it directly into the martini. <laughs> <laughs> We're old timey hedonists, you see. Peel me a grape and allow me to lie on this fainting couch and rub oil on myself. Shirtless oh, servant up. boy, I desire more uh, more martini, please. More gin. I love this interpretation of Fritz on Green. I love this. I love this just, so much. Just fat, decadent, like, aristocrats. Oh, 100%. They're both wearing monocles. Yeah. And looking at their servant boys through the monocles and opera glasses. Yes. 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 Okay. Um, so, but yeah, like, he's not just, like, it. on every level, he is the worst. Because the characters in the show, they... Again, you have to compare him to Gomer, who Gomer, they were, their feedback was frequently like, he frustrates me, but he is a good guy, and, you know, he has a good heart, and I, I love him. I love him. He's dumb as hell. He frustrates me. A and nobody has anything positive to say about Goober at any point. Nobody is ever like, well, you know, Goober's a good guy. They're like, oh my god, this dude fucking sucks. He sucks, Barney. And Barney's like, I know, I hate him. Can we kill him? <laughs> and Andy's like, I kind of want to. We shouldn't. And, like, everybody involved, like, like Goober walks down the street and people are just like, fuck off, Goober. And he's like, all right. Like, and no the thing, the, the, the problem is, right, like, there, there are two characters you can you can compare him to. Number one, obviously, is Gomer, right? You compare Gomer, but you look at the episodes where Gomer tries to get a date. And they're trying to get Gomer a date because he wants a date. Because, because he genuinely, like... like because they want companionship and like and Gomer is sweet about it. Gomer's so nice. They kind of did do the same thing. Like they wanted to pass Gomer off on a girl who everyone thought was ugly. Uh remember that? But Gomer yeah. was like sweet and he wanted to and he wanted to bring her flowers and they wanted to have fun together. He was actually interested in it. Goober is going on the date because Andy told him you should go on a date. 
Right? He doesn't actually, he's not interested in Lydia. The other character you can compare him to is Ernest T. Bass, where they yeah. were like, let us find Ernest T. Bass, a female companion, so he doesn't destroy the town in horny anger. Mm-hmm. Right? So the problem is he's not as he's not a, as likable as as Goober, and he's not as much of an existential threat as Ernest E. Bass. So this is just annoying. It's just yeah. the stakes are so low. It's just so that Andy can get a hand job in a canoe. Which, by the way, sex in a canoe sounds like a horrible idea. The it's only horrible. thing that you can really do in a canoe is kill Fredo. Yes. And, which is a great date activity. <laughs> just murdering Fredo Corleone <laughs> together. <laughs> just staring staring lovingly into each other's eyes as you garrot Fredo. <laughs> um, no, no. Like, sex in a canoe sounds like a terrible idea. I did I did like the joke that uh, uh, Barney is very frustrated that uh, Goober tagged along as he walked Thelmaloo home and he had to shake her hand goodbye and Goober's. Yeah. I liked that. So they go they go to Goober's wait, wait, garage. To, to, to circle back to the Ernest T. Bass thing, the thing about Ernest T. Bass, though, is he leaves. Like, he, yeah. whatever happens to the town, <laughs> Ernest T. Bass returns to the woods. And so they're just basically like, we just got to run out the clock on Ernest T. Bass before he is nature's problem again. Um, And, and he just goes, like, sexually harasses a, a badger or something. But they're basically like... Goober's here forever. Forever. So we have forever. to solve this because we have to deal with this for literally the rest of our lives. He's a, a living embodiment of Andy's purgatory. Yes, yes. He he is like, go, Goober in the context of this show is like an eldritch horror. He is, yeah, he is a living personification of all of Andy's sins. Like, everything that they have done wrong, Goober is God smiting him. Like, he is he is a transcendent evil in the context of this show. And all he does, remind you, is just hang around. Like, that's all he does. He just doesn't go. His his entire He's an energy vampire. Yeah. His, enti- his entire like thing is that he's just there, and just his mere presence is enough to suck all of the energy and joy out of a room. Yes. So then he then he meets with Lydia Crosswaith, who we've seen before, right? Mm-hmm. We have seen Lydia before, and Lydia's Lydia, I think, is genuinely funny. Uh, I think he she was funnier in the other episode where Barney tried to set her up with Andy um, during like a break between him and his then girlfriend. But so Lydia Crosswaith is there, and I mean, God, this, her, her, this character's such a weirdo. Uh, she's played by uh, by an actress named Josie Lloyd, who didn't really do anything else of note. Uh, but I, she plays this this character so well. Uh, she's just just like a little weirdo who just like takes every idea that you have for stuff to do and come and is a Debbie Downer and just shoots it all down. And if you try to bring up a conversation, just like shoots the conversation down. But she also just won't leave. Uh, so now you got two of them, basically. Yeah. So. I, I should say that the way Goober beefs the first date with Lydia. Um, I think that scene is funny. I think that scene is good and funny. That scene's good. Um, I was so smiling beef, through it. You, We have glossed over, I, I would say, the most important... Uh, 
a, a yet another major milestone in in this season which is um to show goober how to properly seduce a woman oh yeah barney takes goober to uh helen crumb's house where andy is currently on a date and they are watching tv together and and barney slowly from the shadows narrates andy putting his arm around helen crumb very subtly very sexily uh nuzzling up close to her oh now he's gonna go in for a kiss uh to which goober goes yeah you do it andy you get that kiss like just starts yelling and andy bursts out fucking i furious doesn't really capture it like what he is in this moment he is kind of like shell-shocked it's yeah, like he's just some... stunned he's just stunned it's like his ears are ringing yeah like he's like 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 the frag grenade just went off and he's not sure what's happening but he knows that it's not good yeah it is yeah somebody just threw a molotov cocktail into the house basically um and then barney and uh goober uh scamper off into the night but i'm gonna say that if Goober had kept his mouth shut, they would have watched Andy fuck. I was, I feel like Barney was starting to get yeah, into it. They were, he, they were definitely starting, to, starting to, to Barney, watch. Barney was not like, we're gonna watch him kiss and then we will leave. Like, no, no. Like it, he was narrating. He was like, look at that. Look how smooth that is. Like, and I think what let's let's just say we're all thinking. Barney wants to see the hog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Barney, Barney wants to see Andy's hog, just wants to see that bad boy in action. Yeah. Barney, I think, was, like, d- absolutely down to watch his friend fuck. He wanted to see the hog. He We've wanted seen, to... no, this isn't new, dude. He's tried to bring them to have, like, have a foursome with the fun girls before, too. Like, yes. we've known this for a long time. This is not new information. He He wants to watch Andy fuck and then get very insecure about stuff that he sees. Like, just, they're in the sheriff's office the next day, and Andy's just, like, being a little quiet. Barney Barney just goes, like, you think you're so great with your seven inches? (laughs) Look at you, you, Mr. Big Shot. Yeah. Oh, just because you can pick her up, you think you're better than me. Yeah, no, they they do. They spy on him uh, to give Goober some pointers on seducing a woman. Uh, so then he starts dating Lydia Crosswaith. Uh, I I mentioned I did like the scene with their first date, but it was just a redux, basically, of an of an Ernest D. Bass scene. And then we get a deeply frustrating scene where our two couples are hanging out, playing cards, just having fun, and then Lydia and Gomer show Goober show up unannounced. And they're just there. And they can't play bridge anymore because you can't have six people playing bridge. And our two couples just sit on the couch, deeply frustrated by not being able to find any activity to do. You know what my my thing is, man, is I recognize this so hard. And they don't do anything funny with this very frustrating situation that I've been in. We've all been in. Sometimes your friend just dates someone who sucks. Yeah. This and you is, just have to deal with it. I th- think this I is think... the most realistic version of it, though. It's not like your friend will date somebody that sucks, and you're like, 
yeah, Greg's an asshole. I don't fucking like him. Or like, oh yeah, she like gets really mean. It, the more the worst version of it is she brought this guy over and there's nothing wrong with him. Perfectly <laughs> nice. But he was just so fucking boring and I could not wait to get away from him. And it was that experience for I'm gonna say ten minutes. It's a solid ten minutes. It's the entire middle portion of the episode. They don't go anywhere. They don't do anything with it. It's just a painful recreation of a thing that I want to avoid in my own real life. I think you know the more detached from reality the Andy Griffith show is, the more I like it. It is at its worst when it is trying to be like realistic relationships at all. Like it cannot handle that. It cannot do that. Give me your weird shit. Bring, once again, magic exists in this world. Do that. Which, like, okay. It's when, if if you did this shit with a a show now, they would have funny observations and jokes about what it's like to be in that situation. I think you should leave basically has an entire sketch that's just about this. But, like... or or yes. or it would it would consist like the entire episode would consist of different couples trying to leave finding excuses to leave the room and then swapping back and forth to be in the room to deal with those people like that is how like a show like Friends would deal with this. This yeah. just in fact does... Friends did do this. Friend Friends had a recurring bit where uh like Chandler was always dating Janice and everyone hated Janice. I loved Janice, but right. She, she, Chandler just had an annoying girlfriend that no one liked, and that was a source of comedy on Friends for a long time. A recurring gag. Yeah. But I've never seen a frame of Friends. What they do is that they just do it. They just do the thing that happens. And then they just... There's no jokes about it. I mean, there's some jokes. The joke is is basically just that uh, anything they want to do, Lydia has... I'm not going to say a funny reason why she can't do it, it's just like, oh, I cannot bowl. I have a bad back. Oh, I have seen that movie. I did not like it. Oh, I don't play cards. Just like, like that. That's just, the just joke. like a, a person that doesn't do anything. They actually do this twice, right? Like, the, they, do, they, they just do the same thing again where everybody's excited to go to a dance and they're really excited to go to the dance because Goober's not going to the dance. He and uh, Lydia are doing something else. But then Lydia and Goober decide to go to the dance anyway. That's the second thing. And then the the end of the episode is uh, Andy and Helen finally get a minute alone. And then it, uh, Barney comes in. And it's like, man, I can't believe that Goober. He never knows when to leave. He's always bugging you. He never knows when to leave. He's all, He won't leave you alone. Hey, I'm just going to hang out with you guys all night. What are we up to? And that's it. Like, there's no yeah. action. There's no... There's no scheme. I guess there was like an attempt, a scheme. I guess to get them together, but not really. This isn't. This isn't TV. This isn't a story. This is just annoying stuff. The scheme is teaching your virgin friend how to go on a date. Like that is what they have to. They have to teach. That should be the episode. Yeah, which. They do for five seconds, and the entire time Barney is like, this sucks and I hate it. I hate this guy. I don't care if he gets laid. I do not That's care. True. That's and the so fact true. that we have to do this sucks. The That's entire so time true. he's like, this is <laughs> st- 
stupid. I hate it. He's just like, it's so weird. Anytime that they start to get any like momentum going, the characters are just like, I fucking hate doing this. I hate doing a comedic premise for this guy. I hate it. Yes, this this has some momentum. I hate that we're doing momentum for Goober. He sucks and I don't want to do it. I don't want to do a scheme for him. It's sucks. The, the, the characters are protesting the plot line. We're, the we're we're left with we're left with this because the characters themselves are just like this dude sucks so much. We don't need to dedicate screen time to him. This is beneath me, Barney all, Fife. All the characters are like kids in the back of a minivan on a long road trip. I'm just like I don't want to go to Niagara Falls. And I get, oh, it sucks! It's, it's kind of like the omnipotent writers are like, okay, well, if you don't want to do the the dating scene, then you're just, this is it. And, like, they, they're punished. The characters yeah. are then punished. Barney is then punished for not wanting to do the comedic premise with just 20 minutes of tedious repetition. And the yeah. writers get to go, guess what? This is what you get, man. Sorry. Yeah. And then we, the audience, apparently just have to suffer for it. Why? Why do I have to suffer for this? Because the characters spited God, so now we all just have to marinate in the consequences. Which the characters genuinely seem to be angry at the show for this. They're like just looking up to the heavens and being like, "Why are you doing this to us? What have we done?" Can you just let us have premises? Bring the crazed mountain people back. They were fun. They were da- armed and dangerous, but they were very fun. And and the writers are just like, nope, you got nope. Goober. Nope, this is what you got. This is what you get, man. So- sorry, sucks for you. So we all have to suffer. We all have to suffer for this. The And they're just like, can you give him like a, a funny bit? Can you make him do jokes? And they're like, Best I can do is him not understanding what you're talking about. Does that work for you? Is, is that good? Would you enjoy that if a character, ju- you just told a guy something and he just didn't really listen that well? Listen, I don't think you're getting it. What if there was a guy and he wasn't funny? Greenbaum, you know what would be delicious? What if we tortured the characters? What if we made them suffer? Oh, the irony. <laughs> ratings, ratings. I hate this fucking episode. It's dog shit. <laughs> it's such it so bad. And this, this is, a, this and is one of the oh, worst episodes we've uh, we've ever done. And like the characters, we are <laughs> stuck with this asshole. I think Goober sticks around for the remainder of the show. Yeah, we were we're never done with him. He's here He's forever. Like the new Barney after Barney leaves. This is the guy. He's the worst character. This is what we've hitched our wagons to. Yeah. It is. We were so. I want to go back in time and be nicer to Goober. When he first showed up and we were like, I'm uncomfortable with this character that uh, has a lot of stuff uh, uh, allegorical to uh, mental uh, mental illnesses that I, I I'm not really comfortable with. Uh, I would just want to go back and be like, "You need to savor this. Deal with it. It gets so much worse." Like any trepidation I had about Goober, I just want to like take back. Yeah, 
This is the worst episode, and it's going to be so shitty for so long. It's the worst episode we've we've had so far. Uh, ratings for this episode, uh, Andy Look, Meter. Looking, I'm looking forward to the season six finale, which is just Andy Griffith sitting in an empty room, staring at Goober and occasionally screaming. <laughs> like that's just <laughs> what it is. It's just like a fucking Brecht play. Just the two of them sitting across a, a plain table, and you just hear like the ticking of a clock. <laughs> Andy Meter on this episode, uh, negative three. I hated this. It doesn't have anything that's even remotely funny, right? No, 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 no. Hang on. I do like, I do like the one scene where Goober is like rushing through all of the notes that Andy gave him on a date, right? Yeah. Goober, Goober says something like he wouldn't know what to say on a date and Andy gives him, like, some advice, like, talk about her car, and then from her car, talk about, like, traveling, and talk about going to Raleigh, and talk about the weather, and then Barney yells, dude, even high schoolers don't talk about the weather, what are you talking about? Yeah, that and actually, that kind of works. That the, worked the for scene, me. And, 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 Don and, and Nuts then, is, like, genuinely funny in that scene. And then, Go- and then Goober, like, going through all those notes and having the date be, like, a rapid-fire, like, five-minute thing where he, like, grabs Lydia's hand to hold her hand. And she goes, oh! And then he runs away and goes, okay, bye! And then leaves. I That made me smile. I smiled through that scene. So I'm going to give this a one for that scene alone. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that, yeah, a one for that scene. And yeah. Barney Meter... Zero doesn't Zero. it doesn't right. have there's, enough there's going nothing, on to there's nothing upsetting about it it just sucks uh goober meter on the other <laughs> hand oh goober meter is the fun one because Andy it, it, we we glossed over a scene where it is after Barney tried to watch Andy fuck and they're in the jail the next day and Barney is repeatedly asking Andy are you mad at me are you mad at me you seem like you're mad at me are you mad at me you mad you seem like you're mad at it. And he's like, I'm not mad. I'm not mad at you. And then Barney just goes, is Helen mad? And he just goes like, shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> like then he like snaps. And uh, that is the point where this is, I feel like a big step in the Andy, in the goober meter of, um, I'd say Andy's at like a six. Yeah. I was going to go higher than that. I was going to say like an eight, but. Yeah, I'm saying, the- yeah, I'm going to bump it up to an eight. His friends tried to watch him fuck, dude. Like he, yeah. he's very much done with this. Like the best case scenario here is that, again, there was no resolution to this. Like they didn't yeah. solve the goober is annoying problem. They didn't break up goober and Lydia. Like for, as far as he knows, he has to just deal with this in perpetuity forever. This is just his life now. He's deeply done. Eight, eight on the Barney uh, on the goober meter. The the finale of this episode is Andy staring into Helen Crump's eyes as they just both silently scream in in horror. It is they're just like in a fucking like like a, a, a twisted sci-fi short story from like the seventies where they're just trapped in this hell dimension together, and they're just like if we, j- we just gotta hold on, we I, there's no hope coming. Like you gotta wonder what did Helen do? What did Helen do to deserve this punishment in the bad place? Right? Because like he- Helen has to deal with all of this exact same bullshit, but also she's also with a boyfriend who does not like her. <laughs> like above all, remember that like 
Andy isn't even really that into Helen. No. What did what did she do? She he's what just she the do? only guy because everybody has been shipped off to Vietnam. So he's just the only eligible bachelor in this town that she appears to be stuck in as a result of her career and he's just like the only dude and he is having all of his like chickens come home to roost like the consequences of everything he's done over the last few seasons is now coming back to bite him in the it's a ass. Bad time to get into a relationship with a guy. You you want to be with that dude while he is sowing, not while he is reaping. I was going to say like like you're on the first date like so what do you have going on right now? Well, not to brag, but I'm reaping what I sowed right now. Oh, <laughs> uh, come up you ever heard of it? I'm getting a lot. <laughs> not a I've, good time I've, to get Not a good time to get involved with somebody. I've developed an unhealthy relationship with every dumb asshole in town, and now it's biting me in the ass. So, yeah, I I don't know. She must have, like, killed somebody. Like, she must have, like, on her way into Mayberry, hit somebody with her car and just kept driving. Just kept going. Just kept driving. Yeah. I don't know. That's got to be it. And that's why she wants to be so in with the sheriff. Yeah. She's just like, yeah, she just like wipes the blood off of her car and be like, Helen, you're on the way to start your bright new life in Mayberry. Just don't let that just just put this all behind you. This never happened. And and then the just the devil, it like the little cartoon devil is just like, ha ha, another one. Just, yeah. So yeah, I, I put him at an eight. He's he gets pretty close. I think this is I mean, beyond the pale. Let's say hypothetically, let's say. Hypothetically, Barney was not going to watch him fuck. He was going to promptly leave after they kiss. Still, how bad is that? Still pretty bad, dude. It's still pretty bad. It's still pretty bad. Still, I would say unforgivable. I would definitely say no coming back from that as friends. I think you have to definitely cut that person out of your life and maybe start legal proceedings. Like... Yeah. Gonna Google history of restraining order. <laughs> yeah. I am getting deja vu. I feel like we've Googled the history of restraining orders before. Uh, so that's it for this episode. Uh, Jesus Christ. These were both so bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a string of bad ones, dude. It's been, we've, it, it's not even like the bad ones where we're like, it's evil. They, uh, they said it's okay to eat the homeless. Like, it's no, just been... No, these, the are, these bar- are not morally upsetting. They're just depressing, like, excuses for television. The needle on the Barney meter has barely moved for, like, four four months. Like, it's getting dusty. <laughs> we had to bring in the goober meter just for something to do. <laughs> <laughs> They're too poorly written to be horrible. It's almost like we've committed ourselves to a horrible exercise in futility. Which everybody that we've like talked to, like whenever we've like talked to somebody's dad and we've been like, we're watching all of the Andy Griffith show. They're like, oh, those later seasons buckle up. Like Even people that like the Andy Griffith show are like, oh boy, you get past season five. Look out. So gonna have a real go. bad time. It's great. We're gonna. It's great. I'm glad we did this. I'm glad this is what we spent our life doing. I love it. I'm a big yeah. fan. 
Thanks, everybody, for listening. You, We're not going to do the plugs and normal stuff. Patreon.com slash Breaking Mayberry to help us with your money dollars. That's it for us for now. Congratulations again to Dan, who dragged me on a boat and got married. Uh, yeah, you loved it. I I loved, I don't love my sunburn. All right, we'll see yeah. you all down at the fishing hole. Boom, 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 boom,